Hey, Storm Freaks, it's Phil, and we are discussing life-saving strategies immediately following a disaster with NASA crew surgeon Keith Brandt and EMT fighter fighter Colin Baldacci. Uh, but a lot of people, and I think I saw it in the comments, get so amped up on, on adrenaline that uh, we, we lose that 100 to 120 beats per minute uh, of uh, chest compressions. And you see people that, that are just pumping really, really fast. And we're introducing a new segment, Twister Trash Trailers. We're calling it Triple T, and it's all on episode 175 of the Stormfront Freaks Podcast! Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Hey, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast. This is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks podcast, and it's brought to you by Drive Weather App. The Drive Weather App's interactive time slider, it updates the weather forecast along your route based on your departure time in real time. So have a safer trip by finding the best time to leave and avoid the bad weather. So add it to your phone and check it out at Drive Weather App. Dot com or uh, check it out on your app store. Thanks to all of our Patreon teammates that uh, help support the show. I know we've got uh, in the background studio chat tonight, we've got uh, Garrett and uh, Jeremy are there, so uh, we're glad they were able to join us. Um, you can join us as well at our Patreon uh, site with multiple levels of perks and exclusive merch. So uh, we've got uh, just... For our Patreon members to know, we just got in some new stocking caps, so we're going to be sending out, uh, Greg, some toques for everybody. And uh, we got some new uh, baseball caps uh, as well. So those, those are things at certain levels that uh, uh, we'll send you out as well. But you can find the Patreon link at stormfrontfreaks.com. And for all of you uh, on the team, thanks for joining the team. Hey, it's happy hour. This is the fun part of doing the show. This may be why we still are doing it six years going on almost seven years later it's because uh it's happy hour right and and it's a, a great way eight no we're, eight we're in episode years? eight so seven no we're, we're in season eight season eight yeah but seven. it's been oh, set gotcha. it's been okay. gotcha. about seven years yeah so uh yeah can you, believe that? you know here, here's i'll share i'll share this with you guys quick before i get into uh finding out what everybody's drinking so i've been doing the the, the national storm chaser summit uh, is coming up here in in a couple weeks near Oklahoma City, and I've been putting together uh, pieces of our past lightning rounds with some of our guests so that in between speakers, they've got a little something that's kind of entertaining to play for the audience while they're getting ready for the next speaker and all that. And, you know, I was looking back at some of the early ones, and, and I, I'm telling you guys, in like seven years, how old and fat I've gotten just in seven years <laughs> is crazy. Uh, I don't know what the heck happened. I just got old. Bill, I've really only been fast. on the I've only been on the show for three years, and man, you've got old and fat in three years. <laughs> it's all happening. Yeah, it's all it's all post COVID. Hey Phil, Wait. it's seven years of what are you drinking? That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, that doesn't right. help. That doesn't help. All right, so we're gonna find out uh, which of our co-hosts are here tonight and find out what they're drinking. I'm gonna start up in Minnesota with our uh, producer Mark M J Johnson. He's a Skywarn coordinator as well. M J, what are you drinking? 
All right, tonight I've got Shell's uh, Brewery Snowstorm mm. Mahogany Law from uh, August Shell Brewing Company in New Ulm, Minnesota. Ah, New Ulm, I was thinking yeah. that was in Duluth, but no, no okay. Nope. New Ulm. Shell's, okay. Good, good, fine. I like that one. All right, uh, Mark Maz. Yeah. Mark Maz Massaro, former on-camera meteorologist. Uh, what do you got? What are you drinking? I got my my War Pigs, warpigs.com, Lazarite India Pale Ale, wow. and it's got the old space Ooh, helmet like, there. Like the look of that. And there, yeah, look at that, right? SpaceX, shuttle, all that uh, stuff. Yeah, it's a skeleton. In honor of our guest. Very good. That's right. That's, that, right. that's a new one for you. Is it good? It is. It is. Very okay. hoppy. Hoppy. You're going to be hopping out of your seat. All right, uh, mm-hmm. Greg Johnson, our storm chaser and photographer up in Canada. What are you drinking, Greg? I'm uh, I'm drinking uh, something I call the pileup on I-70. And uh, <laughs> uh, you can see kind of got a, a kind of a, a foggy, you know, snowstorm kind of look to it. But it's just basically gin and gin and juice. So but it's it's really good. It's, it's awesome. it looks slick. It looks it like yeah, yeah. Really it's really slick. icy. Very good. All right. Uh, hey, Maz, let's uh, let's go ahead and get to our guests. What do you got? Awesome, awesome. Hey, we have Dr. Keith Brandt. He is an Air Force flight surgeon with over 30 years of aerospace medicine experience and served as the USAF Aeromedical Liaison to NASA. After retiring from the Air Force, he returned to NASA, where he has been crew surgeon for shuttle, Soyuz, ISS, and SpaceX missions, one of his main hobbies is amateur radio, where he has been a Skywarn spotter since 1977 and been an emergency management volunteer. We also have Colin Baldacci, firefighter EMT in Evansville, Wyoming, also an American Heart Association CPR and first aid instructor. In addition to those, he has a background in search and rescue, wilderness medicine, certified emergency manager, and an amateur weather nerd. Now, that's what it says. I, I'm not going to call you that. But uh, so I'm going to start off with uh, Dr. Brandt. So, Keith, uh, I'm not a doctor. I played one on TV. And I uh, just want you to know, there's uh, just saying that if I come across, if uh, first of all, I'm thinking you probably have to prepare like crazy for all kinds of different scenarios. But if we got storm chasers and they're going to run across something, I think a lot of us are thinking, what the heck can I do? I'm not a doctor. There's lots you can do, but you need to be prepared ahead of time. But really, it's easy as ABC for the most part. Any of the classes that you're going to take on first aid are going to start out with the basics, airway, breathing, circulation. The newer ones are starting out to add massive hemorrhage for that. And you just uh, work systematically through what you see in front of you. I always thought it was always be closing. You know, it's one of those <laughs> movies, sales, little sales technique there. Well, awesome. I'm going to get back to that in just a sec. So Colin, so you're in the, you're out there in the wilderness and you got all kinds of, I, how do we, how do we apply? I'm not a doctor, but I can do the ABCs. And then what stuff should we bring with us? I mean, how do you prepare for all this stuff, Colin? So one of the the biggest things is like you said is equipment uh it's making sure you have the the basic equipment to, to take care of these sort of things uh the first thing i i always highly recommend to anybody is a tourniquet uh and we kind of have the saying of uh, 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 two is one one is none uh so if you can carry two tourniquets uh like 
Dr. Grant, he said, uh, massive hemorrhage or the, the, the loss of blood. Uh, it's the number one out of hospital killer in ages one to 45, if I, if I have my numbers correct. Uh, so when you're looking at that, there, there's a lot we can do to, to stop bleeding. Uh, and so not only carrying the equipment, but then also knowing how to use it. Uh, so it's knowing that when, when you see massive hemorrhaging, uh, we, we start with direct pressure, see, see if we can get it to stop. Uh, same thing, you know, your mom always said when you were little, uh, get, get a cut, something, put direct pressure on it. See, see if you can, get it, can just get it to stop there. Uh, and after that, if you can't, uh, the, then we're looking at, at uh, going to the additional movements, things like uh, wound packing, or in most cases now, putting a tourniquet on. Um, guys, here, here's a, I, I don't know who wants to take this, but, um, you know, you, you, uh, you go out to a first aid class, you take, uh, you know, you do the weekend training and, and you come out of there fired up and, and you know, all the stuff, cause you, it's all fresh in your mind. And then you don't come across any kind of uh, disaster or people experiencing trauma. And, uh, like anything else, if you don't practice it, 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 it disappears. And, uh, I know for myself, I've been in that situation a number of times where, you know, you come across stuff and, and you kind of catch yourself standing there going like, what the hell do I, what the hell am I supposed to actually be doing right now? Any tips for like the average Joe who is, you know, stumbling upon this thing, even if they've got some first aid training, like are there resources to, uh, to, you know, that, that you want to carry with you in the car, like, a, uh, like just cheat notes, Cole's notes, that kind of stuff. But you're probably not going to have time to be pulling out the notebooks and yeah. looking things up when it happens. Yeah, uh, good point. Practice is definitely one of the things you want to try to get under your belt. That's very hard to do, unfortunately, out in uh, at least the civilian world. We certainly had a beat into us in the military. If you're in a uh, response organization, uh, any kind of a volunteer organization, volunteer fire, uh, they will frequently have events where they'll go out and uh, set up practice patients with makeup to make them look like they're really injured and you go through and take care of it. Uh, one group that's probably good that almost anybody can get into is the, uh, the CERT, which are your community emergency response teams. Uh, they tend to have uh, more organized groups that will go out and uh, practice together in the local community. So you get to know your neighbors and their capabilities and everybody learns off of each other. So that's one good resource that uh, is uh, almost universally available in the U.S. I, and this question is going to be for both of you guys, but uh, I'll start with uh, with you, Keith. What, like, what's the craziest scenario you've run across in the past? I want to go. I want to go to the most extreme you guys have both had, <laughs> and then we're going to kind of relate it back to weather here in a little bit. So, I've been pretty lucky as far as not coming across things when I haven't been on call for it. Um, I had a van flip over right in front of me on a highway once with the driver still strapped in, hanging upside down from the car. They had to crawl in and work her. That's been one of the few that I've come on raw unless I've been staffing an ambulance or uh, on call uh, medically. So do you need the, the clippers or the, the seatbelt cutter? What do you, what do you I need? I actually a- just left her hanging because I didn't have any gear to catch her on the way down. I was by myself. And I waited with the pros arrived for that with the uh, tools. So she's not still there. Mm, not last check. <laughs> just left her hanging there. <laughs> I literally left her hanging though. We got more help out there because I could not have cut her down, caught her. Her neck was hurting. So I didn't let it make it worse. 
Gotcha. Colin, what about you? I mean, I'm guessing you run across blizzards, uh, you run across floods, forest fires. Uh, what's the, what's the most extreme thing you've run across with this? So out, outside of work, uh, uh, they're uh, kind of like, like Dr. Brandt was saying, I mean, we, we've got interstate 25 that runs right here through Wyoming and uh, come across wrecks on that quite frequently. Uh, actually just on two, yeah, Tuesday night when I was driving down to where I'm at right now, uh, I came across a, a wreck of a, uh, pickup pulling a horse trailer, uh, slick roads. It was no unnecessary travel. Uh, and we were 20 miles outside of town, uh, and came, came across a, this horse trailer and duly pickup that was on its side. And, uh, luckily the, the occupants themselves, they, they couldn't quite get themselves out, but they, they didn't have any injuries. Uh, modern vehicles are a, a true wonder. Uh, I can tell you from the on-duty side, you you come across accidents or you dispatch to, to Rex all the time and you look at the vehicle and think there, there's absolutely no way, but the mo- modern vehicles are, are truly made to protect everything in, in that passenger compartment. Uh, they may crumple a lot of times like, like a sheet of paper, but they, they are made to protect that passenger compartment. Uh, so that was, that was kind of a weird one in that, yes, it, it was a horse trailer. It, it was empty, luckily. Uh, so there weren't any horses in it uh, at that point, but uh, that that's probably one of the the more weird ones because in my head I was trying to think, you know, what 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 if there are horses in there? Now now we've got it on its side. Uh, how how are we taking care of not not only the folks in the vehicle but potentially horses in the back here? Colin in in uh, in Wyoming, uh, having been on the roads in Wyoming a lot, I I know that there are places where you don't have uh, cell phone coverage, right? Like you just can't, uh, you can't connect with the right people to get the right help you need. So if you're in that situation, um, and and you come upon something like that, what, like, what's the first priority? Like what would be the first and most important thing to do? Because you can't actually contact anybody, uh, uh, like to phone 911 or, or, or fire or, or, or police or anything. So that's, that's one that is tough because there are a lot, a lot of variables that play into it as far as your situation goes. Uh, but if you take a, a American Heart Association or I believe even the Red Cross's curriculum uh, for CPR, for, for first aid, uh, one of the first things that they, they always say to do is, is to, to get the, the emergency response cycle started. Uh, you want to get folks headed your way uh, rather than getting stuck with, with uh, something that, that you can't, can't get away from. Uh, now, if there's something bleeding, you can stop real quickly. Uh, you can get somebody away from, you know, a burning vehicle, anything like that, uh, where, where you do have issues where, you know, you, you don't have that, that cell signal. You don't have uh, radio service, whatever sort of communication vehicle you have there. Uh, the, the most important thing is going to be to get folks headed your way, uh, to get additional help. Because uh, like you said, there's a lot of very rural places through here, uh, even out where, where my family's ranches. It's going to be at least 45 minutes before anybody gets out to that that area should something happen uh, and so it, it might be that you you got to get to the top of that hill on the ridge uh, or on the horizon and get, get signal and get folks heading your way uh, but that's going to be the, the most important thing all right so keith question for you what someone who's completely untrained um no no cpr training first aid training anything like that but they're they're a storm chaser 
or a spotter and uh, uh, they come across a situation where a storm has come through and you know a house has been destroyed and they find that there's people involved as a bystander who's not trained give me in, in at least in in your opinion what what's at least something that if it's me I can do to still be of assistance and not be a hindrance as Colin said, one of the biggest killers is bleeding. So stop the bleeding, number one. Other than that, your best thing is not move them unless they're in immediate danger. Try to keep them warm and dry, cover them up, and just wait uh, for the help. And go out and find the help and point people back in to where the victims are so they can get to them when uh, the guys roll up in the big trucks. Good. good. And so, Colin, then I'll go to you. Um, stop the bleed, obviously very important. What, what's something, again, if I'm not trained and I don't have a tourniquet on me, uh, help us out with what are some resources we might have on us or available that we could use? Okay, and I, I'm actually, I'm going to add one more thing into what Dr. Brandt had just said yeah. and uh, with your previous question. What, one big thing, especially in, in storm-ravaged places, is debris fields. Uh, there's debris fields access to a, to a place. If you're close enough and you can start clearing debris so we can get that ambulance, we can get that, that, uh, caught, whatever it is, you can get that, that close, or we can get that closer. That's cutting down on, on time to patient. Uh, so that, that, that's another big one that, uh, if you have time as, excuse me, as you're waiting for, you know, us to arrive, if you can start clearing debris, making it, uh, or making our access easier, that that's a huge deal. Uh, as far as what uh, other equipment, you know, the the big movie thing, the one people always talk about is the belt. Uh, I I don't know, my belts are usually leather, and I, I don't think they they really get that tight. Uh, and that that really it, it doesn't do it doesn't do what what a tourniquet does. Um, when it comes to severe severe bleeding, uh, there's not a lot you're going to be able to do to stop it. But if you've got that that blood that's coming out, you uh, especially if it's a, a little what we call spurting blood. Uh, in the field there, uh, direct pressure, uh, putting direct pressure on it, uh, whether it's with a, a t-shirt, whether it's with a, a towel, something, getting direct pressure on that wound uh, and try, trying to, to control or, or stop the bleeding there, uh, it's going to be a, a huge deal and hopefully it is able to, to get that bleed at least slowed down uh, until we can get there. Um, Garrett, one of our, uh, uh, Patreon members just made a comment here and I, I would like both of you to weigh in on myth or, or, uh, fact that liability, uh, you know, if, if I'm not one of you guys, I don't, it's not my living. It's not what I'm trained to do. Um, but I, uh, attempt to help somebody and I cause further damage. You know, I'm thinking spinal cord injury type thing. You, Dr. Brandt, you meant you talked about not moving, but I mean, if, if somebody's in a life-threatening position, is that myth or is it is it truth that that liability becomes a factor? And and where does that where's that line? Most states and uh, the U.S. In fact, I think all states in the U.S. and most countries have good Samaritan laws. It's not a totally get-out-of-jail-free card if you do something stupid. But if you're in good faith trying to help, you uh, there's really been no successful lawsuits in that kind of a situation. So, And if you look at it, uh, somebody is down, they're bleeding massively, they're going to die if you don't do something. If their heart is stopped, they're going to die if you don't do something. 
you can't hurt a corpse. Uh, try it. Get in there and uh, do your best. Got it. I don't know if what, I want what to would you guys? I, I'm sorry. What would you guys say are some common? Colin, I'll start with you. Common mistakes people that yeah, great aren't completely trained, or maybe even are trained, but common mistakes they might make in the field, or that you've heard about, or you've seen uh, that that people could avoid. So, Colin, start with you. So the the first one would I guess be not doing anything be, because of that worry, because of the you know I, I don't want to get myself in trouble. Uh, another big one is assuming somebody else is going to do something or mm. assuming because you see this, that, oh, 911's probably already been called or, or they, they've already alerted it. Ask, uh, sim sim simply ask, you know, has, has somebody called 911? Uh, you'd be shocked at how many times that, that occurs where, you know, everybody rushes to help or so something tragic happens and we say, oh yeah, well, somebody, somebody should, should call 911. Uh, that's a big one. Uh, as far as uh, treatment, uh, if you're trying to stop a bleed, uh, direct pressure, uh, trying not to use a shoelace. Uh, we, we've seen that before. Somebody tried to use a shoelace as a, a tourniquet. Uh, bungee cords is another one that, that seems to come out. Uh, if you it, uh, absolutely can't do do anything, uh, or I'm sorry, if you absolutely don't have something clean, uh, putting direct pressure on uh, with your shirt or a towel, something, something different. Uh, so it's not your direct hands or blood contact. How many of us have little cuts, scrapes and stuff all over uh, our hands. And now you're getting their blood, their whatever all over you. Uh, we, we like to have the, the saying of if it's wet and not yours, don't touch it. Uh, sometimes you, you don't always get that uh, opportunity. That's just, that's just but, a good life lesson in general, Colin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, you know, it, you'd be shocked at how many times in, in the, the EMS field you end up covered and you don't really know what it is. But uh, it, it's it's a worry. Uh, it, it is a worry. But uh, like Dr. Brandt said, you every, everybody wants to do something. We, we have the, this innate feeling that, that we need to help. And we, we really want want to jump in and, and figure out uh, how we're how we are going to to do that. Uh, another big issue that, that we've seen in the past, uh, especially when it comes to people trying to perform CPR, uh, and the I mean obviously we had a, a huge nationwide example of, of uh, how important CPR is, uh, but a lot of people and I think I saw it in the comments get so amped up on, on adrenaline that uh, we, we lose that 100 to 120 beats per minute uh, of uh, chest compressions. And you see people that, that are just pumping really, really fast. Uh, a lot of times really not even uh, very deep, but they, they get this adrenaline rush and they, they just want to pump as fast as they can on this person's chest. Uh, there's a reason that, that we recommend 100 to 120 beats per minute. There's lots of songs out there, uh, if you want to look them up, uh, that have that 100, 100 to 20 beats per minute. Uh, that that perfect rhythm. Uh, any any thoughts? Any songs for, by the Bee Gees in particular? <laughs> How deep yeah. is the your Bee love? Gees, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, and again, they just another one bites the dust. Ironically, uh, is a good one. Uh, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think staying alive is a better option. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> uh, but, hey. so he was in uh, a ba baby shark. That was one that came out a couple <laughs> years ago. That they said, "Hey, that, that actually worked well." Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I mean, dealing with that being stuck in your head afterwards might be a little tough, yeah. but I mean, 
Yeah, hey, I, I do I do want to go to Keith on that same question. Basically, uh, anything that he's aware of or has seen or heard about in the field as far as mistakes, common mistakes made from people that are trained or not trained. One thing people do is get really focused on one person when you've got 10 people laying out there. You come up to the first person and the tendency is want to try to fix everything that's going on with that person. You do the life-saving things and move on. If the leg's sitting out at a funky angle that it's not supposed to be at, that's not going to kill them. But the guy two people down from you may be bleeding heavily. So you got to do your minimum you need to do to save a life, then move on and move on until you've got everybody treated the first time around. Then you circle back and reassess. So, so Keith, uh, you come upon... Somebody, a storm chaser comes upon the, the aftermath of a huge tornado. We've all seen the videos, like nothing around but people and all over the place. We talked about the injuries you can see. What about like shock and how, where does that rank in the whole, you need to take care of that? And how would you even recognize it? Right. You look at, uh, there, there's a whole system out there of triage, is, which is French word for sorting, but how you rank and stack how you're going to sort people. And it does take that into consideration. But again, that kind of takes training. Probably the biggest thing you're going to see on somebody as just looking at them from a distance and trying to determine if they're in, they're in shock is how's their brain working? Uh, can they answer questions appropriately? Do they know what's going on? Obviously, in that situation, they're going to be kind of shell-shocked just from the devastation. But you can kind of get a feel for how their brain's working, how's their color looking, uh, and without IV fluids, about the only thing you can do is have them just sit down, lay down, look for any of those things that you can see going on, like the massive bleeding, and then move on. All right. So I, I've got a, a question for all of you. I, I don't know if you're like me and you think uh, you're familiar with the American Meteorological Society. Have you ever thought like that's just for meteorologists? Like, like I'm not a meteorologist. I can't participate in any of that. Um, so here's, here's the fun part is they have what's now called the AMS weather band. Uh, basically it's an opportunity to team up with members who have been in the forefront of weather and water and climate research for over a hundred years. And the cool thing is, is you get to go behind the scenes with these 10,000 plus scientists and broadcasters, educators and researchers that, that are all a part of the AMS. So the AMS weather band. That's, that's what this is called. It brings together the weather professionals and the weather enthusiasts, okay? So band members, you can grow your knowledge and appreciation of weather and climate. You get to participate in virtual events. They've got online discussions, Q&As, webinars, photo contests, and more. And the AMS Weather Band, it also gives you the opportunity to interact directly with those in the scientific community. So if you're a weather nerd like we all are, uh, it's a great opportunity to get involved with the AMS and be able to participate in a lot of the resources that they have. If you want to learn more and join the band, uh, you can do it today at amsweatherband.org. So, hey, it's time to, uh, we're going to take a break. I got to get a refill. Uh, I'm sure you do too. So we'll be right back with more from Keith and Colin. Time for this edition of Stormfront Freaks Podcast Storm Chaser Safety Tip. 
Join retired fire battalion chief Randy Denzer, EMA director Eddie Aldrin, and police officer Eric Fox as we discuss some of the most common storm chaser safety pitfalls to avoid. All right, so we're talking storm chaser safety tips, and I'm with Randy Denzer. He's a retired fire battalion chief with over 30 years in fire service. He's a current storm spotter and public safety director for the Spotter Network. Uh, Randy, let's talk a little bit about the, the car breaking down at night. Uh, obviously, a lot of storm chasers we're chasing at night uh, or we're chasing at dusk and uh, on the way home uh, it's it's dark but uh, the car breaks down whether you know we've talked about running out of gas uh, in another segment but whether the car just breaks down I guess let's talk about what are some safe ways to get help all right well rule number one is be prepared to chase right that's where it all starts with Phil I can't say this enough prepare 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 before you go out the door Make sure that you uh, have the right equipment. Make sure that your vehicle is in, in good shape, you know, to, uh, to, to be able to go out and put yourself kind of in, in some ways and possibly a risky or harm's way, you know. So make sure everything's, make sure that you've planned well, make sure that you have the right equipment. Part of the right equipment is an ANSI traffic vest. It's something that's required by any roadway worker across the United States, including police, fire, and EMS. You'll notice every wreck you go by, every firefighter, cop, and EMS person has an ANSI reflective vest. The reason I say ANSI, that's the standard it goes by. But basically, it's those super bright yellow vests. It used to be red back in the old days, and then they changed it, found out the fluorescent yellow was actually even brighter. And you can get them at Walmart or anywhere for like 15, 20 bucks, okay? That needs to be in your vehicle. Uh, you need to have a breakdown kit with you. and uh, the reflective triangles, things of that nature, all that stuff's really good to have. If you find yourself in a situation where you are broke down, not running out of gas, I'll talk about that here in a second, but where you find yourself in a situation along any type of roadway where you break down, the biggest thing is, is to get as far away from that actual active roadway as possible. One of the things I've noticed and, and, and witnessed along with every one of my brother and sister firefighters all these years is that the, the number of secondary collisions out there are staggering. Testing and, and research was done on that years ago. And, and what they found out was that when you park on the side of the road or you know a fire truck's parked there or an ambulance, whatever it is, and they, with the flashy lights, including yellow, amber flashing lights and when you turn them on, there's a propensity for people to, to drive towards whatever they're looking at. That's why so many secondary collisions happen along these roadways. So to avoid that, you need to get as far away from the roadway as you can. If it's at night, you cannot see people at night. I don't care if you have on which all white clothing or whatever else. The only thing that really stands out is having those reflective vests. If you break down at night, get as far away from the roadway as you can, put on the yellow vest, put on your flashers, call for help. All right, last question is, what is the most common car failure besides running out of gas that, that you've seen that someone could carry something to prevent or to repair quickly? Well, I think beyond the uh, uh, running out of gas is, is usually tires, right? So uh, one thing to make sure that before you go, this is in your preparation before the chase, right? You know, you're going to go chasing tomorrow because it's a, it's a moderate risk day. So we're all going to go tomorrow. 
you know what you need to be doing the night before besides just looking at the models you need to go out and look at your vehicle whatever you're going to be chasing in right and then you got to go and check your tires make sure there's no abnormalities or anything else but there's a there's a big thing that we i think most everybody fails at and probably to some extent myself you know when was the last time you looked checked your uh, your uh, spare tire Number one, is it there? Number two, is it full? Is it have enough air in it? And number three, is the tools you need to change that tire out even in there? So, I think making sure that's a, that's one of the big things is making sure your fluids are up, but also making sure that your uh, your spare tire is is readily accessible and uh, you have the tools to change it. Great, thanks, Randy. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey, welcome back to the show. Hey, I, I want everybody to know what the, the neat thing about how I actually got introduced to uh, both Keith and Colin was we have been talking about now for a while, and of course it's a passion project of mine of storm chaser safety and, and, and really wanting to put that community in even a more positive light with the general public that we're not just going around chasing storms and da 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 and, and who cares what happens, but, but really trying to be a, a force and a positive force to be there when that destruction does happen, because it will happen. That's inevitable in, in what we do and inevitable in storms. And, and so we have been putting together a, and, and we've actually put together a small, uh, pretty simple little emergency kit that storm chasers can keep in their car. It's actually all stacked in a water bottle. And inside the water bottle, there's just some uh, simple resources, uh, one of which, uh, Colin, is a uh, tourniquet for those that show that they've got some kind of first aid training. We're going to give that out to those individuals. Um, but the goal is we're, we're giving these out at some of the conferences and uh, things that we go to where anybody shows us that, hey, you've got your CPR certification or you've got your first aid certification, or you're a first responder already, right? Hey, we'll, we'll give you one of the uh, little first aid kits we put together. But that's how we got introduced, is both of you were so generous and thoughtful to reply back with some ideas, uh, using your experience on things that should be in that first aid kit and in your experience and everything else. So that, that's what I want to ask you for the benefit of everybody else. And, and I'll, I'll, I want to ask this to both of you, Keith, I'll start with you to, to give me a, you know, give me a top five list of what, what are some things that a storm chaser or a storm spotter can keep in their vehicle. So when inevitably something like that happens and they come across a disaster and people that need help will be useful, beneficial, and, and again, doesn't take up the entire back seat of the car. You really need to take care of yourself. So make sure you've got your own personal safety gear in there. If 
you're dealing with debris, a good pair of leather gloves would be handy to have. Make sure you're wearing good shoes when you're out chasing, just in case you come across those scenarios. Medical gear, the common things. You're going to have cuts, scrapes, have some Band-Aids on you. Uh, maybe an ACE bandage to hold something on there, or a minor sprain. Uh, antibiotic ointment for those scrapes that are going to be from very dirty circumstances. Uh, those are your very common things you're going to come across. When you want to move up into a higher level uh, gear to keep with you, things like the tourniquets are absolutely uh, good to you, but please get training on them. There's a commercial program out there called Stop the Bleed. You can even do an online academic part of it, then go do a, a hands-on part. Uh, it, it's great for learning how to stop those massive hemorrhages. Uh, minor splinting gear, uh, but I wouldn't go to anything that requires needles, uh, airway gear. Those are advanced training skills that you need advanced training for. Good. Good call. And what, uh, what else? What else can you add to that that uh, you feel would be important, simple, doesn't take up a lot of space? So I completely agree with, with uh, Dr. Brandt's list there. Uh, one thing I might add in, they, they don't cost – hardly anything that they don't take up a lot of space, but it's so those Mylar little survival blankets, uh, warm things. Uh, I know they, if you watch big marathons, things like that, they're always handing them out at the finish line. Uh, just those sort of things, especially if people don't have anything uh, to cover up with, somebody is starting to get, get a little shocky on you. Uh, the, those little blankets can actually do a whole lot of good. Uh, and again, that I, like, uh, whole I like contractor trash bags. They hold up better. You can crawl inside them or make a hole in them and make it into a raincoat. So I think they hold up a lot better than the Mylar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I'm used to, to more about what, what we have on the ambulance. Uh, looks kind of bad if we put somebody in a, in a trash bag uh, on the ambulance. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, the, the same, same basic principle uh, that, that uh, as the Mylar blanket uh, with the trash bag, it, it, it's something to, to keep warmth in. Uh, to, to let them them hopefully relax a little bit, uh, may, maybe uh, start start to compensate a, a little. Is that hey. bag 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 them and tag them? Is that what that is? In the bag? <laughs> That's if your day is going really bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey hey guys, can we just uh, switch uh, a a little bit when it comes to uh, taking care of people? Can we just talk about the ment mental side a little bit and and not so much for the people you come across, but um, most of us aren't trained and don't do it every day acting as a paramedic or a firefighter or that sort of stuff. And, and uh, you know, you hear all the time, you know, PTSD and, and you, you know, um, if you're not equipped to deal with those situations, what, what advice do you have? I mean, how do you guys personally, like having seen some of the stuff you've seen, how do you deal with it? Like what, what, what are some techniques or, or tricks? Dr. Brandle, let's go to you first. You've really got to make sure you have an outlet, uh, somebody you can talk to. Uh, it helps if it's somebody that's been in similar circumstances because they know what it's like. They've been there, done that. If you can work it at the scene immediately after things have kind of calmed down a little bit uh, to have a critical incident stress debriefing is the formal term for it. You don't have to be that formal with it. Just everybody get together. Hopefully you got somebody experienced there that says, man, this is rough. I've seen this. This is going to make you feel bad. Don't be afraid. You're going to have flashbacks to it. This is going to be in the forefront of your mind for a while. That's all normal. You're not going crazy with it. 
So talk it out among yourselves, have somebody to talk to. And if it's really getting intrusive in your life, get that uh, professional counseling from a psychologist, your minister, somebody that's trained in dealing with this kind of stress. Did you see that in the, uh, you know, like NASA and SpaceX? Do you run across that kind of stuff there more often than? And we, we train for it. Uh, we have the facilities for it. We are there. But uh, fortunately, other than a couple of major disasters, and uh, those, of course, had all the professional background there for the rescuers that were going out and uh, dealing with that. They had, uh, we've got a very strong uh, psychological support program in NASA, an employee support program. So we've got uh, very deep backup for that. So what was most of your days like? I'm sorry to switch gears just a little bit, but I'm very curious. When you were dealing with NASA and all that, what was a typical day dealing mm-hmm. in your field? There is no such thing as a typical day. <laughs> um, Which is probably why you love the work, right? I do. I really do. I yeah, would go yeah. nuts sitting in an office every right, day. Right, right doing the same thing over and over. Most of my day, day in and day out, sitting in meetings. Uh, (laughs) We have a lot of planning. Aerospace medicine is not as much hands-on, but when you're working with a crew and you're working uh, a mission, then you're a little bit more hands-on with it. But then again, your patient's 300 kilometers above your head. So it's all telemedicine from that standpoint. But uh, we're not only just dealing with the astronauts, we're dealing with uh, future missions, getting ready for those, uh, the current missions, we deal with hardware, we deal with software, we deal with wetware. It's it's a big variety. So really, I, I'm not kidding. There's no such thing as a typical day. And you have Elon Musk on speed dial, right? <laughs> uh, not, so far, I have not met up with him. But, uh, that, that response have... is all we need. <laughs> yeah. hmm. uh. Okay. So, Colin, I, I want to find out from you because obviously being in Wyoming, this is, I think, where a lot of your experience is, is beneficial to maybe a storm chaser that's, you know, out in the boondocks where a tornado might hit, for example. And it's a farmhouse uh, surrounded by tons of farmland and nobody else. So, so being in Wyoming, I, I guess, tell us a little bit about what have you seen? Are, are people living in Wyoming because there's so many different secluded areas, are they better at being trained or trying to, to get the ex- education they need to be able to, if something happens, knowing, hey, it might take a while to get a first responder here? H- have you seen that where you're at? Yeah, I, I would say that, that for the most part, that that's true. There, there's obviously going to be exceptions uh, where people people that just aren't or that they've been doing, the, this, doing it the same way for, uh, you know, 50, 60 years. And it's just the, the way that it goes. And uh, they, they've never had to use it. So they, they've never actually sought out, sought out that training. But, uh, you know, I, I would say, yeah, uh, we're also we usually typically have a little bit more on hand, especially when, when you're out in that, that sort of area. Uh, and the, the other thing that I think we're really good at in Wyoming uh, is first off uh, calling on help of neighbors. So even if you don't know, but the the guy at the ranch next door, uh, he's a doctor, he's, you know, this, that, the other, uh, they are calling for, for their help because you know, it's going to be a long time before the ambulance gets there. Uh, and the other thing we're really good at is giving directions to, you know, this mm. road and you're going to take the, the eighth left onto the two track next to the, the yellow sign 
uh, and, it, and you're going to meet, meet this pickup at this location. And that, as crazy as it sounds, that sort of, of information helps out a ton. Uh, that, that, that's a huge, huge help to just be able to give directions to how to get to actual places. Uh, I'd say the, the other thing I, I could add on that, that just kind of came to mind is being able to get themselves out of situations. Uh, you know, that they do have something go wrong. They can get themselves to a, a location to get that cell signal uh, or meet up with, with responders in, in one way or another. So, Colin, I grew up during the smoking and the bandit era. So uh, my 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 CB <laughs> knowledge is limited. And I'm sure MJ's about to go, oh, my gosh, don't even talk shortwave, Mark, because you know what Keith you're talking too. about. Keith is a big radio guy. Yeah. So So do you guys recommend any, if you're out in like, I don't want to say nowhere land because that's not what I mean, but where there's, you know, incommunicado basically, is there something mm. you take with you? So Wyoming itself started a program uh, a couple years ago, the, the uh, be prepared 307. Uh, it, it's really geared more towards search and rescue. And uh, if you buy a commercial over the, the counter, uh, is it GMRS? Is my, my radio knowledge there right? Or am I completely off? Yep, GMRS, there? yeah. Uh, uh, if you buy one of those, they're, they've got uh, a specific channel that, that you tune to uh, and a tone uh, that, they'll, they, that search and rescue teams will usually try to monitor. Uh, so if you are somewhere, uh, and I'll, I'll see if I can find a link to it uh, to drop in there, but it was something that was started uh, by our Wyoming Hazards Association. Uh, um, along with Wyoming Office of Homeland Security and, and a lot of the search and rescue teams of a here's a, a frequency that uh, it's not monitored 24 seven, but should you need help, uh, should you need to try to get somebody, uh, we, we will try to monitor that uh, so we can pick you up. I know that uh, Sublet County where uh, Pinedale, Wyoming is, they've had some good luck with it. Uh, people, they, they've got signs up all over and, and they've been able to find people or have others, uh, especially like snowmobilers, give them directions to their specific location uh, because of that, because they, they were able to contact them on the radio and get direct well, directions as to where, where they were at, where they were stuck. So it's not uh, Breaker Keith, 1-9, right? <laughs> I, I want to know Keith, because no. uh, Keith, Keith has got a lot of this too. What What's your recommendation? Yeah, I, I never go anywhere without my radio, and this one will do almost DC the light though I'm only authorized for certain frequencies transmitting, but a lot of times the ham radio will get through when the cell signals are down. Uh, so even if you're in an area where the cell coverage is pretty good during a disaster, it's going to get totally overwhelmed by everybody calling and the ham radio doesn't rely on that out in the middle of nowhere. There's no guarantee that there's going to be anybody else around, but you at least got another mechanism by where you can call and try to get help with it. And some people even have the uh, HF frequencies on their cars, so those go long distance, so you get a better chance of getting people out in the middle of uh, nowhere. So that's the sound. Uh, that's It's time for our <laughs> lightning round. Uh, so, so this is, if you're familiar or not, this is our game show of flashy and brilliant questions uh, that we have for our guests. And uh, so we're going to play a little game uh, tonight with the two of you. Obviously, both of you have a medical background. So I thought this would be fun tonight to play this game called Another Weekly Trip to the Hospital. So another weekly trip to the hospital. So here's what this is. Uh, this comes from bestmedicaldegrees.com, and they put together a top 10 list of the most popular 
hospital TV shows over the years. Mm. Okay, most popular hospital TV shows over the years. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm, I've got a little randomizer here on my phone, and, and I'm just I'm going to start with Keith, and I'm, I'm just going to pick one of the top ten shows, and I'm going to kind of read off a little synopsis of it. And, and if you can guess it, uh, you get the point. And if you can't, then I'll go to Colin. He gets a chance to guess what that show is. And if he can't get it, then I'm going to go to the Freaks. All right? Uh, and then uh, once we're done with that, then I'm going to go to Colin's going to be the next one, right? So we'll, we'll go back and forth here for a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to hit the randomizer. And uh, so <laughs> this is, uh, Keith, for you. You get, uh, of the top ten, you get number nine. So this is the number nine most popular hospital TV show in history. And I'm going to give you the synopsis. You tell me if you know, uh, know the show or not, okay? Uh, Eddie Falco, I'm sorry, Edie, <clears throat> not Eddie. Edie Falco <laughs> had just left The Sopranos when she landed this role as a nurse with a bucket load of personal problems, one of Showtime's most popular original series ever, an overworked RN, got through her days on drugs, which made each story either dramatic, comedic, or both, often at the same time. Do you know the show? Absolutely no idea. <laughs> okay, so uh, Colin, we'll go to you. Any idea? Uh, Edie Falco was the yeah, actress. No idea. <laughs> okay, freaks. I got the first part. It's nurse something. Oh, that's helpful. Thanks. Well... Okay. Anybody? Uh, Nurse Jackie. Yes. Very oh, good. That's Nurse Jackie. It was helpful, wasn't it? Nurse it was. Jackie. All right. We're going to hit the randomizer. Rising this is late. for Colin. Colin, show number four on the list. There was no stopping this program when it first aired in 2005. Ratings and awards were a given. Women swooned over McDreamy. Oh. But the core of the show were the women doctors, strong, sexy, and very smart Yes, the show is a soap opera of sorts and a long-running one at that, but despite the cast changes, the show rolls on, still popular and groundbreaking. Name that show. I believe that would be Grey's Anatomy. That would be correct. Very, very well done. All right, so uh, Freak's got one. Uh, Colin, you got one. All right, it's going back to you, Keith. Randomizer says number six on the top ten list. This drama enjoyed great popularity in the 1980s, in no small part thanks to a star-studded cast. Show alumni include Denzel Washington, Howie Mandel, David Morse, and Mark Harmon. The show drew both praise and criticism for the twist at the very end of its final episode, but the impact on popular culture endures to this day. Could that be seen elsewhere? That would be sent elsewhere. Very good. All right. You got a point. Here we go. Colin. We get show number two. Wow, you're getting two and four. You're getting kind of the easy ones, I guess, huh? <laughs> Sorry, Keith. It's a randomizer. I'm, I'm just picking what the you phone says. It's easy, but yeah. we'll see what happens. All too. right, Colin. Number two. You may fight us on this one. Many critics think that this is the best medical show ever, and that would be hard to deny. The original pitch was simple. Sherlock Holmes is a doctor who solves mysterious cases every week. So far, so good. 
but the way actor Hugh Laurie played the character broke all the rules. How many drug-addicted, grumpy, rude genius doctors become heroes and star in a long-running TV show? Name the show. That would be House. Very good. House, well done. Okay, here we go. Keith, you got number three. Uh, this is a classic in every sense of the word. It's based on the Robert, Robert Altman movie of the same name. No one could have expected the TV series to even approach the popularity of the flick, which was a not-so-veiled criticism of war in general and the Vietnam War in particular, even though the TV show took place in Korea. Alan Alda, already a star, became a megastar as the wisecracking surgeon using his wits to remain sane in a blood-soaked makeshift operating room. One of my favorites, Mesh. Absolutely. Ding, ding. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal a front lobotomy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we'll do a couple more here. Colin, you get number five on the list. You mean you've never seen an episode of this long-running afternoon soap opera? Or you've never heard of Luke and Laura? Where have you been the last 50 years? Like most soap operas, this one had to share had its share of murders, mm. marriages, mistresses, and general all-around all mayhem. But what really stands out are the number of big stars who got their starts here. Elizabeth Taylor even was such a fan that she signed up to do some guest appearances. Name Come that show. This be General Hospital? That be. would be General Hospital. Nice. Nice. Very good. All right, we're going to do two more. All right, Keith, you get number one. <clears throat> Whoa. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read a sentence at a time, and if you think you know what it is, you just you shout it out, okay? <laughs> All right, a show that ruled the airwaves for 15 years with its mix of drama, comedy, and angst set in a large city emergency room. And the stars, George Clooney became a megastar based on his work here. Julianne Margulies as well was introduced to the world. And it was created by best-selling author Michael Crichton. This was one, uh, this was more than about just love and lives gained and lost. It was a must-see TV at the highest level of artistic achievement. Name that show. ER. Ding -a -ding -ding. Bingo. Nice. Very good. All right, Colin, you get the last I've never one. Watched that every week. Yep. <laughs> was that was That's that was that what started. got you into uh, yeah. into what you're doing now? I I can't say for certain, but actually, right out of college, I was I uh, graduated and went and became an emergency manager at at our a hospital here, and wow. that that probably played something into it. But truly, my family we watched that every single week. Uh, growing up, his license plate say McDreamy. <laughs> All right, uh, here we go, Colin. Last one, number seven on the list of top ten. Uh, this show follows the story of John Michael J.D. Dorian as he begins his medical career at Sacred Heart Hospital. The show occasionally veers into the more serious or dramatic storylines and has earned praise for the accuracy of both its medicine and its depiction of the early career experience. At its core, however, it strives for bizarre, even absurd comedy first and foremost, 
and places detailed depictions of medical practice much further down on the priority list. Is this Scrubs? It is. That oh, would be okay. Scrubs. I didn't very, that one. very. Well, it, didn't it didn't do emergency. Yeah. <laughs> or no, Doogie Howser. I'm surprised. Doogie Howser emergency. Doogie. What was it, 51 or something like that? Good doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. So here, here were the other ones we didn't do. Number eight was Nip and Tuck. Nip Tuck. Uh, and number 10, this goes way back, 1960s. It was a tie between Dr. Kildare and Ben Casey. Oh, wow. Two shows in the 60s, I guess. Well, Marcus Welby, MD. Come yeah, on, right? Oh, there's... Quinn, med- med- yeah, medicine so doctor, many. woman, or whatever. Martha Quinn, medicine woman. Martha- yeah. <laughs> No, it's not Martha. It's basically the genre is, is saturated. <laughs> All right, so gentlemen, you did you did an awesome job there. Uh, do this, I, I guess, uh, Keith. I'll start with you. Let our listeners know how they can find you on social media, etc. I am not on social media in any public way, so uh, don't look <laughs> for me. Go out and look for some good training online. Oh. Very in other good. words, don't look for me ever. <laughs> Get off my lawn. If, if you like, uh, if you like good puns, then that's what you'll find on my post. That's it. Right. Unless you're Elon. That's good. <laughs> that's good. All right, Colin. How about you? Where where can people find you? Uh, I I don't post a ton online, but I'm at wyocb yocb uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, but I, I use those more for watching other stuff uh, and, and get, getting news alerts or finding other funny memes and stuff to, to send around. But uh, that that's really my handle is the WYOCB. Very good. All right. We'll tell you what, we're going to take our last break. But when we get, get back, it is going to be time for hashtag weather fools and our new triple T segment. Hi, podcast listeners. It's Jen, founder of Girls Who Chase. If you've ever thought to yourself, I'd love to start storm chasing, but I have no idea how to get started. Believe me, you're not alone. We've been hearing this over and over since we launched Girls Who Chase in early 2022, and I've thought a lot about how we might be able to help. After all, our mission is not just to inspire and empower, it's to equip as well. Today, I've got some exciting news for you. We've put together a virtual storm chase training we'll be offering Saturday, March 4th, 2023, that I'm calling Spring Training. And yes, the pun is intended. Just like in baseball, we will gather every spring to shake off the rust, refresh our skills, and get ready to hit a home run. Spring Training, which we're providing in partnership with the leading meteorology education organization, Comet's MetEd program, will provide foundational, operational, and accessible information and training material for storm chasers at all levels, from those who want to begin their chase education or brush up on the basics, to more advanced chasers wanting to learn more in depth about specialized topics. If you're wondering, yes, you can afford this. This event will always be held virtually and remain affordable. Girls Who Chase is a global community, and we believe strongly in making science and learning accessible to everyone without the constraints of travel or financial hardship. And if you can't make it on March 4th, don't worry. We'll be recording all presentations, and they'll be made permanently available to registrants. 
For all the details, including topics, speakers, and the schedule, please go to girlswhochase.com slash spring training. We hope to see you there. Hey, I'm Cheryl Nelson, meteorologist and natural disaster preparedness expert, and you are listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Let's take a drive under the Let's take a drive under the somber sky. Let's take a drive under the moon. All right, freaks, it's time for, well, my favorite part of the show, which is the, uh, you know, hashtag weather fools. This is where we go out and we find all those um, morons, uh, delinquents, uh, people doing dumb things uh, when it comes to the weather. And uh, uh, let's go. Uh, Phil, I think this might be a first ever on the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Our guest, one of our guests, Colin, came with an actual weather fool. Yeah, that's cool. Colin, what do you got? Yeah, so the article should be coming up now. Uh, th- this was actually here in Wyoming, Sweetwater County, which is, is a little bit uh, southwest of where uh, I'm at. But uh, in December, when the, the big interstate uh, here, I-80, was shut down, a lot of people relying on good old you know cell phone for our uh, GPS and uh, figuring out how, how to get around the road closure. Uh, sent them up a, a road that uh, is closed usually most of the time uh, at or for the season, uh, it was snowed in unmaintained dirt road across. I, I think the article calls it the Arctic tundra, uh, that wasn't even recognizable <laughs> as a road. And so the Sweetwater County Sheriff's office, Whoop, can you hear me? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No. And we can, see, uh, well, we can so, see it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So they, uh, the Sweetwater County Sheriff's Office had to, to make quite quite a few rescues one day because uh, Apple Maps, uh, I believe it was Apple Maps, I remember right, was sending people up uh, a impassable road uh, that, that was closed. And they obviously so, just drove right down it because you can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, that does actually look like Arctic tundra. <laughs> it does. Wow. <laughs> all right phil you've got a couple weather fools as well i've got a couple so the first one uh good ahead uh, good old turnaround don't drown this is uh california it's gotten a little little rain here uh lately um, but this of this of course is a, a tweet of oh, uh of some cars and vehicles just meandering <laughs> right through the underpass that is well over uh almost the top of their tires this almost mm. looks like one of those uh, cameras, Phil. That's you know permanent cameras that you would see on a, uh, yeah. you know, Department of Transportation yep. or something like that. A little mm. bit, yeah, a little bit. And but but obviously they're just uh, yeah, it's just another day in California, I guess, driving through uh, a good good foot or two verse of high water in that. I think they could time it well. Same one keeps going through over and over again. that really makes him a fool keeps keeps coming back for more all right then the second one i've got uh this is a storm chaser this this sucker just drives me nuts but uh this was uh storm chaser Corey gherkin 
and uh, he, he's got a video driving at night uh, on the highway, raining, and that stinking chaser that's got that damn light bar passes him on the <laughs> left, cuts him off in front. And guys, you can see how it, it you him. can't see anything. Yeah, it's blinding. Oh, right. When it's dark and it's raining outside, turn your stinking flashers off, please. Because uh, no one else can see what the hell's going on. And I'm telling you what, you are not cool. Not cool. Yeah, definite weather fool there. MJ, what do you got for us? Okay, hang on here if I can get... There we go. Um, yes, so this was actually contributed to us by uh, Patreon member Steve Collier. Um, and it's tornado that hits South L.A. Uh, I South saw Central this. LA. Yeah, yeah. And it, it builds up, and I can't play the audio because it would just be bleep, 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 bleep. The audio was the best part of this it, one. It, it, it was good. So it you'll was see good. that on the on the show notes and so on. But but it, you watch they they're just out on the the uh, uh, patio out or deck outside their their apartment or, or home, and they all of a sudden you'll see debris and you'll see the palm trees start to sway, and they're still just out there swearing about it and and taking a look and then all it's of like a it's sudden it's kind of windy. It gets a little windy <laughs> a little and windy. then watch this. It's coming. It's and the coming. amount of debris falling is so cool. Yep. And just wait. There's a lot of debris right there. <laughs> <laughs> and they're still out there. They don't. Oh, my. Yeah, that's the part that I can't believe that's, they're still filming. That's the foolish part, right? They're right. still out there. And the yeah. Christmas lights are still up, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. So that, uh, that oh. was foolish. But awesome. you're in California, you don't see that very often. Yeah, I, w I would like to know how many uh, January tornadoes there are in L.A. County. I suspect not a lot. Not many. All right, guys, I've got a few weather fools myself, uh, and, and I'm going to take this a little bit international. Uh, obviously, this time of year, we deal with uh, pileups on the big highways, and, and they don't just have big highways, big interstate highways in, in the United States. We, we, they're, they're all over the world. And uh, tonight's video co collage, I guess you could say, that I have is, is going to take us to fog, snow, and ice on the highways. Fun. The first one I'm going to take you to uh, happened in Ontario, Canada, uh, and, and you'll see some pictures here in this news report time of, uh, you know, multiple semis and, uh, uh, you know, vehicles piling up, people going way too fast for the, uh, for the conditions. That's where you got uh, your 401 drink, right? That is exactly it, yeah. 100 vehicle pileup on 401. Yeah, th this one comes from India. And same thing, heavy fog and, uh, the, you know, these massive highways, five, six lanes and uh, these massive pileups that are happening in, in the fog. And so uh, uh, the third one I'm going to uh, bring to you uh, is actually coming from China. And this one was fairly well documented. Uh, 200 car pileup, a uh, few people killed Whoa. in this oh, one. Man. Still. Uh, but, it, you know, obviously, pea soup fog like this, you can't see anything. You got to slow down. Um, so wow. so that's the, look at this is the after. Oh, there you of, go. Yeah. Of, of, you know, Holy right. cow. Yeah. Look at that from up yeah. above. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So slow down in the fog, slow down on the ice. And, and like listen, Tetris. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to focus on two specific weather fools here. This one will blow your mind, guys, when you when you see this. Uh, this happened again on the 401 in Ontario, and this is from a dash cam live. And this driver did a pretty good job 
of, of being able to stop. They could see that there were some vehicles, uh, you know, ahead of them yeah. and, and did a pretty good job slowing down, but you can see the road is not in yeah. good, good, good shape, but watch what happens. And I'm just going to fast forward. It's actually kind of bit. impressive. They did slow down. They, they looked yeah, like they, they were moving a little bit. They're yeah. obviously yeah. not the fool. Now watch what happens here, guys. This is, this is remarkable. Oh, watch. Did you see that? And she, oh, and they're standing wow. out of their cars. People are standing are out outside there. their yeah. cars. That's, that's the real weather fool here, right? Uh, but they're standing zero. outside their vehicles, and and then here comes another another semi, uh, and they can see it coming, and so they're they're I running saw off. People the getting side out of the road. way. Oh, there it comes! Yeah. Whoa! Yeah. Just oh, they're un, carrying un, quite a load. Too. Jackknife! Oh, what the yeah, heck that's is probably he carrying? They probably started slowing down a mile back, <laughs> and then another oh, semi. And another oh, one, another semi. Jeez. Yeah. Is he? Looks like he's carrying Godzilla. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so slow down in those those kind of weather conditions. But MJ, I think you're going to love this one. This one comes from Minnesota, this entire video. Oh, yes. Here we go. Um, and uh, it's basically a compilation of uh, Minnesota drivers going way too fast for road conditions. Yep. There they go, into the ditch. Yeah. And uh, you'll see this this shot plays over and over again, but there's one in particular. Uh, you're going to see this semi's coming oh, far he's coming too fast. Way too fast. Oh, my God. Watch there's, this. Watch this. Talk everywhere. about driving. Talk oh. about driving. Watch this. Serpentine. Oh, Serpentine. That's right. <laughs> he made it through. He, he straightened through. it out. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> That's a driver right there. Jeez. No kidding, right? So anyway, guys, my whole Whoa. weather fool oh, thing has backwards. to do with uh, winter driving and these uh, conditions this Whoa. time of year. And uh, we don't want to see people lose their lives and, uh, yeah, slow down on the roads right. in that bad weather. So uh, I think that does it for weather fools. Check out the uh, all the videos in our show notes, episode 175. And, uh, yeah, enjoy and uh, drive safe. All right, thanks, Greg. So this uh, we got a new segment coming up to share with you. Uh, we're, we're calling this one Twister Trash Trailers, uh, or better wise, better known as Triple T. We'll call this Triple T. So what we're gonna do? So I, I found lots of places that have these are a lot of uh, movies after Twister, right? Like disaster kind of movies that were done that came out after Twister, but were like direct to DVD or were, you know, direct to TBS or TNT or, you know, something. So they're not good. I mean, they're, they're not good at all. Uh, we talked and, and this all came from, I think last episode or a couple episodes ago, we talked about Christmas Twisters. There's a movie called Christmas Twisters out there. Um, but I, I, I want, so I found all of these on a app, a free app. So these are all free. You can find them on Tubi, T-U-B-I, uh, yep. if, if you really want to watch these. But uh, the first one we're going to share with you guys and I, I, I want to introduce to you is called uh, Atomic Twister. <laughs> so Greg, if you can play this for us. I am declaring a stage one alert. Listen, we got a tornado touching down, heading straight towards Helmand Pond. It's going to hit the nuclear plant. This is going to hit the nuclear plant. Do you guys recognize that actor? Carl Lewis? Really? Carl Lewis. Really? Yeah. 
Oh dear God. He doesn't even get oh, credit, but God. he was in it. <laughs> Atomic Twister. Atomic I think he said nuclear. Nuclear? Mm. Nu- nuclear. Nuclear. One of those, huh? <laughs> All right, so we're we're gonna follow that one up with uh, the next one. This was uh, this is a full good old two minute trailer. This one's called Fire Twister. Mm, of course. And I don't know that it's any better. Um, <laughs> but go ahead and play it, and you can listen along. Big big like production so companies. Fall. Yeah. Tell me, there's something else in here besides just this banner. There is. The truth. That one actor was also in Christmas Twisters, by the way. This might be a sequel. It's already horrible. It's a bomb. The movie? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And it and it creates a fire twister. Nice. So the yeah. Oh my god. This may be the worst looking movie I've ever seen. What was in the tank? It doesn't matter. This is perfect. The more destruction, the better. Oh my god. Hey, what the hell was that? The fire twister. <laughs> it's called MT11. It's a hydrogen based synthetic that, that burns 10 times longer than traditional fuel. I mean, if that thing is made up of MT11, it's going to burn for a very long time. <laughs> It's a long track fire twister. Yeah. What kind of trouble did you get yourself into? Just make sure that Scott and his merry band of idiots are gone and in a way that's as far removed from us as possible. You understand? This cannot get back to us. I haven't seen him in a while. Also, a nuclear power plant. Yeah, yeah. An amusement park. Oh, he's yes. hitting a Six Flags. Awesome. Still the American hero. Burned the hair off. Of the sequel is uh, Radiation Twister. <laughs> They're shooting oh, did you it. see those work. people get? Yeah, totally, totally fried by the fire twister. I, be- I believe this got a negative rating on IMDb. <laughs> Ouch! Wow, Can you that, get a negative rating on IMDb? Uh, that um, uh, that CGI was incredible. <laughs> Yeah, so so I'm sure you guys are all running uh, to your phones or TVs to watch that. Again, you can go to, uh, I found it on Tubi, T-U-B-I, yep. uh, and it's all free. And, and those are just a couple of them. I mean, it's we, free. Got, it is free. Yeah, Amazing. believe it or not. Okay, those are trailers, Phil, but are they actual real movies? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Shut up. They are movies. Wow. Yeah, if you, you thought sitting through two minutes of that was hard. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so so check those out, and, and we've got I, I, we've got plenty more. Oh, uh, I was gonna say, I think you need to take just that little snippet where he goes, "It's a fire twister," and make it one yeah. of your like out yes. out of break. Uh, one oh, of Bill, he's right. That would be perfect. Shows just it is it's, right. There. It's a fire idea. twister. Like that was yeah, that was total. <laughs> total macho all right so uh this has a little little fire twister so go check those out but i uh, i think that just about does it for this episode of stormfront freaks podcast so uh thanks everybody for listening and watching yeah before we announce the guest of our next episode if you like the show don't forget to follow us on your podcast player so you get notified and receive the latest episodes of our show delivered right to your library the moment they get released and 
Please, if you enjoy the show we put together for you, help us out and send a friend your favorite episode. I still think it's like uh, the skeletons. Yeah, <laughs> you can right. you can also sub you can also subscribe uh, to our to our YouTube page and watch previous versions of Stormfront Freaks raw recording, which are completely unedited, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and uh, hear all the great conversations during the breaks, great questions from our VIPs, and who knows what else gets censored out of the actual podcast. Just search for Stormfront Freaks on YouTube or find the link on the website. And we would also love to have you on our Patreon team. You can find a level of support that fits your budget as low as a buck a month. Visit stormfrontfreaks.com to find the Patreon link so you can join our raw broadcasts, have access to exclusive merch uh, like the things Phil talked about earlier, or uh, even become one of our limited VIPs and be with us and our guests in the studio on every show. And uh, speaking of merchandise, uh, we've got hats, T-shirts, sweatshirts, tanks, uh, weather troll bot, weather fools, all, all of it. You can find it at stormfrontfreaks.com. And uh, yeah, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> yeah, very good. And uh, Greg, you put together, thanks for uh, putting together the new website look too. So if you haven't been there, That's check good. it out just to uh, uh, see what, what's been redone. Uh, let's find out, Freaks, how people can uh, find and follow you. MJ, I'll start with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh... On Twitter at Mark yeah. Stormpod, M A R C <laughs> Stormpod on Twitter. All right, Mass. Uh, on Twitter at Money Storm, the number four, the letter U. All right, Greg, you? I'm uh, Tornado Greg on social media, including something I just signed up for, which is a new Twitter alternative. It's called Post, and uh, that's Tornado Greg. And you can also find me uh, teaching photography if, if you want to learn how to use your camera. Uh, cameraeasy.ca. Perfect. All right. And I'm hanging out at uh, Stormfront Freak on Twitter. And uh, I do want to shout out special thanks to our guests tonight, Keith Brandt and Colin Baldacci. Thank you, yeah. gentlemen. Uh, I had a great time with both of you and, and uh, great feedback. Our next episode, we're going to be doing some live impromptu recordings at the National Storm Chaser Summit. Uh, so listen as we chat with Summit speakers during the February 3rd through the 5th event. Patreon members, keep a lookout for notices all weekend to see links to the interviews live as they happen. Uh, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of put that together and edit it. And that audio podcast will be available to everyone else following the weekend event. Uh, so I'm going to say for Keith and Colin, MJ, Maz, Greg, and uh, living it up in Walt Disney World, Angela. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna signal the all clear, and we'll catch you guys next time. Good night. Night. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app, and watch our live and recorded shows on YouTube. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive storm chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.